This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Fender Bender and Joy 94.9, revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring. Yes, that is absolutely right. This is Fender Bender. It is a Saturday afternoon, four o'clock. That means only one thing, and that is an hour of all motoring madness and bliss from the boys at Joy 94.9. I hope you're having a fabulous weekend. Yeah, that was uh, another fantastic show uh, from Critical Hit. Uh, Listen in next week because they're going to be one year old. How cute. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I can see someone in the studio who's got about as much hair as a one-year-old as well. Oh, I'm so sorry I had to do it. My name is Daniel Gardner. I am taking the helm uh, for the lovely Tim Nicholson this week. He's off gallivanting around the countryside doing something fabulous as always. Do stay listening in, though. We've got so much coming up. I'm going to be explaining why... If I completely cock up all the production today, it is because of my jet lag, and I'll be explaining why I'm so horribly jet lagged. But you'll notice the English accent is back. Uh, Tim Nicholson not taking the helm this week. I'll be filling in, and I'm not going to be doing it alone. I am very pleased to welcome two guests into the studio, and I'm going to start with... Hmm, which one am I going to start with? I'm going to start with Paul Merrick. Thank you very much for being here. Road Test Editor of Car Advice. Thanks so much for being with us, Paul. You're, um, it's your first time on Fender Bender. It is. I, I'm popping my Fender Bender cherry. So I prefer it's... just saying popping your bender cherry yeah. actually so uh thank we'll you for clean that up later yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gone all over there's the no need to clean stuff up at joy trust me keep it as filthy as you like um excellent thank you for being with us uh fantastic you are an old uh, old favorite on radio generally but this is the first time where we've got you on joy so yeah, thank you and for being... live I'm, I'm normally pre-recorded so it's terrifying uh, isn't it this is i'm shaking in my boots <laughs> <laughs> nothing to it absolutely nothing to it uh, and we're also joined uh, by our second guest uh the man with the name of a film star kez casey thank you so much for being with us Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you back. Now you're a bit of a favourite of the Fender Bender team. You've done your uh, you've done your duty with us before, haven't you? I have. I've done my apprenticeship. I've uh, yeah. <laughs> excellent. It's lovely to have you back. Now these are two fine motor journalists. Uh, we're going to be talking all manner of motoring uh, antics. And uh, yes, I cannot wait to hear what you boys have been up to. But before we do that, we're going to get into some news. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us at all, uh, it's very easy to. You can text us 0427 Joy 949, or you can email me on air at joy.org.au. Let us know what's going on in your car world and what things you've been up to love to hear from you anyway straight into it then boys let's talk some news uh june sales of cars in australia broke all the records this is the most cars sold in any one month since records began in australia a figure of 125,850 cars uh found homes in australia in june and uh it's an all-time record what what on earth has caused it what what happened well do we think it has to do with the tax incentive is is that where this is coming from i would say a fair bit of that definitely so yeah uh, this is um an incentive that the government introduced for small businesses uh spending under twenty thousand dollars we suspect a lot of that is and coincidentally we've seen a lot of car companies shift their prices to just underneath the 20 grand driveway (laughs) price funny that isn't it but also june is typically a very uh, high sales month isn't it oh well you've got to you've got to wonder a bit obviously there's plenty of end of financial year run out deals and things like that so there's as they say money on the bonnet if you're buying a car that always helps things along june's a big month for most manufacturers but you've also got to wonder a little bit if the twenty thousand dollar tax incentive is a reason for this boost are the next couple of months going to be dry? 
Quite possibly. We have to see, don't we? But you're right. I mean, if people have got all their spending out of the way, all in one go, then are we going to see a very quiet month? Uh, I'm sure mm. the car companies will have their strategies to avoid that, but I suppose only time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where a lot of people are told end of financial year is the time to buy a car, and then you get right up to the end of June. Uh, you wait for the last weekend, and you can really pressure them on sales. So I think there's still an opportunity there to pick up a great deal. So uh, if you are in the market, don't shy away. Fantastic tip from Paul there. Excellent. If you're in the market for buying a car, then now might be the time to do it. And don't, don't forget, uh, this is a piece of advice we always give you on Fender Bender. Remember, it's a buyer's market. Don't buy unless you're absolutely happy with the deal, because you can always walk away. Uh, moving on into other news. Now, we've had a very exciting car announced for the Australian market. Have we not, uh, Kez? Tell us all about this. We have. Uh, Subaru's confirmed that they're going to bring the Lavorg to Australia. Uh, not something that's heard of here. It's been Japan-only product so far. Uh, it's based on the Impreza, but it's a wagon that sort of fills the shoes of the Liberty wagon, which has been removed from the lineup. Uh, in Japan, you can get it in two variants, uh, a 1.6 turbo and a 2-litre turbo, which runs a WRX engine. Nice. Oh, cool. CVT automatic only. Oh, God. Not so nice. Uh, but within the next 12 months, Subaru says that we'll see that here. So specifications to be confirmed, whether we'll get both variants or one, whether they'll actually team a manual for this market. But it's definitely something to, uh, to look forward to because it's a good-looking car. Well, you could say that Australia's been grovelling for it, right? Absolutely and that's right. backwards for, for those playing at oh, home. Oh, <laughs> nice. Boom. <laughs> I would never have... I'm certainly not clever enough. Well, I her. didn't actually know that. I was told that yesterday. So um, that's not my creation. <laughs> um, you, uh, my favourite car name backwards is actually the car I'm driving at the moment. It's the Ford Focus. Oh, oh I, of course. I having to think. Yep. Oh, I yeah. see. Write it down. It's oh, fine. If you want to yes. do that at home, you can. Uh, I probably won't say it out loud. But uh, anyway, yes. Uh, so the Subaru Lavorg is coming here. I suspect it will probably be in the 2-litre only. 1.6 is probably a little bit dinky for our market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they can do a manual, great. I do have to say that while motor journalists are normally united on CVTs being horrid uh, and the stuff of Satan, that, but actually <laughs> Subaru's one is not that bad, is it? It's about as good as they get. Subaru's is actually very impressive. So it's probably not the worst thing in the world if that's the way it arrives here. Yeah, in fact, and WRX, that was one of the best things about it, the CVT. Normally, they, like you said, they are a horrid gearbox, but it works so well with that engine. It's quite spicy, yeah. Excellent. All right, looking forward to it. We will uh, announce pricing and exact specifications as soon as it comes up. Uh, and moving on to, so we're going from a car that is coming here uh, to one that is no longer going to be here. Oh, it's a sad day because uh, Holden, well, I have a, an inside source, a very reliable source that's told me that Holden will axe the LPG Commodore and it will coincide with the last locally produced Commodore that will be released uh, closer to the end of the year. Uh, basically, it's costing too much for Holden to produce uh, the LPG variant uh, and sales are down in that segment. I mean, they're down by about 40%, so there really is limited incentive for anyone to get in there and, and get an LPG car. But, I mean, should they? Is there a good reason for buying it? Why does no one want them anymore? Well, there's two good reasons for buying them. Holden's is slightly ancient in, in that regard in terms of the technology, but Ford, for example, with the uh, Eco LPI, it's it's faster than the petrol one. And I mean, the, the tech that they use in there uh, is liquid phase injection, and it, it runs at a higher octane than, than petrol, and it allows the car to be phenomenally fast. So there is still a market for it, but it seems that Australian buyers just aren't interested. It's so sad because, I mean, on top of the news that the um, the Commodore is going to be... No, well, actually, no, it's not true. Is it? Commodore is going to stay the name, yeah, but the car, you know, the Australian-built one, is going to be uh, becoming a bit of a dinosaur and a relic. And, you know, it's a, it's a, bit, of, a bit of sad news on top of other sad news, isn't it? Any speculation on what will be replacing it? Well, I, I did ask that question of Holden and uh, the standard, uh, we don't talk about future products. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. 
Look, I think they need something for fleet markets, uh, considering Camry's coming to an end as well and, and Falcon uh, soon enough. There's really not much left there for, for, for fleets. You know, they, they really yeah. need to think of something. I do have one more thing I'm going to throw in as a surprise topic for you guys. <laughs> uh, we did just have the announcement from the UK that Honda Civic Type R has now gone into production, which is great news, except for Australia, because we don't know if we're going to be getting it yet or not, do we? Um, at this stage, it looks like it's not going to arrive here. And as much as I like the idea of a new Civic Type R, and as much as I like the specification of that car, I cannot bear to look at it. So I don't actually feel <laughs> like I'm that upset. It has a face for radio, I think. It is definitely what you're does to. have a face for radio. It's a little bit like uh, that teenage boy's wet dream of a slapped-on body kit. Yep. The specs, yep. the specs yep. are great. You know, yeah, in absolutely. terms of driving, uh, you know, fastest front-wheel drive car around the Nurburgring, uh, two hundred and six yeah, kilowatt. No, more than that now. More than that now. So yeah. sorry, it's above that. Lots. Um, two thirty. I'm making numbers yeah, up now, but, it's hugely but really, really impressive in terms of drivetrain, but I don't feel like I'm going to miss out if it doesn't arrive on these shores. Mm. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, Kez, come on. Its mother probably thinks it's very pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Mine does. It's, it's one of those things. <laughs> oh, mate, come on. We can talk about this after our little break now. If you need a shoulder to cry on in this one, uh, <laughs> we will be back very shortly. I'm joined in the studio with Paul and Kez. We're talking all things cars. Before the break, we did the news. Now it's time to talk about why I'm feeling so horrid this afternoon. It's not the company. It's not the weather. It is the fact that I spent two and a bit weeks in Europe. And I'm going to tell you exactly why I was there. I was driving a new Mercedes in Germany. It is the GLE and GLE Coupe. Kez looks like he's having a moment over there. You're right, mate. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's okay. There's you no know, need to cry. It's, a, yeah, it's understandable. It gets emotional when I talk about <laughs> Europe. Um, I was there to drive the GLE, GLE Coupe from Mercedes-Benz. And uh, this is, for those who don't uh, quite are up with your models, it is basically the equivalent of the BMW X5. It's a large SUV, um, very luxurious, and it's an important car for this country. It will be coming here because we love our big SUVs. UVs. Now then, the first version I drove was, of course, the best one. It was the 63 AMG. It has a 5.5 litre V8 Brilliant. twin turbo in it. It is about 4 billion kilowatts. And guess where I drove it first? Oh, it was somewhere boring by the sounds of it. Now, it was the Autobahn. Oh, my yeah, first, somewhere boring. My first Autobahn <laughs> experience. I'll tell you a little bit about that later because I have a rant. But look, let's just talk Turkey first of all. This is a fantastic car. Um, it will be coming here. It's probably scaring the BMW X5M already. Mm. And if that wasn't enough, it's going to be available in the coupe version, which is directly going for the X6 jugular as well. Um, in terms of competition, it, it should BMW should be very worried because it is a very worthy competitor. Um, I just can't believe what car makers are doing with SUVs these days. You know, they, they drive, to all intents and purposes, like a seriously good sports saloon would have years ago. Only yep. sort of five, ten years ago. Um, and it is a seriously good bit of kit. Um, now, one thing I have to say that I thought was really impressive was its ride quality. Mm. That may or may not be to do with German roads. Because <laughs> German roads are fantastic. They look like they're maintained on a daily basis. Um, but what a fantastic car. Now, is this important for our market there, guys? I reckon it is. Um, like you said, if you haven't driven a modern SUV from one of the German manufacturers, jump behind the wheel 
and lob it at a corner. It, it, as an engineer, I find that this stuff defies physics. Like yeah. you smash an X5M through a corner and you're like, how is it possibly still on the road? Um, and, and I think it is relevant for our market because people are buying these things in droves and they want something that looks unique and has a bit of go as well, which is why they sell so many of the AMG models. Absolutely right. And AMG, as we know, is uh, the, I think in Australia, the largest seller per capita in, than, than anywhere else in the world. We are a nation of petrol heads and we absolutely love the things. Yes, uh, and now also while I was in Germany, we saw the reveal of the GLC, which mm -hmm. is the midsize SUV. Now, this is also another really important model because until now, Mercedes actually hasn't been able to compete in the segment. It had in Europe and other parts of the world the GLK, mm. which was a midsize SUV, but they never made it in right-hand drive. So they've been missing out hugely in this market. So what we have now is the GLC that will be coming here, uh, and it's uh, it's also going to be available as a coupe as well. So that's really going to put the willies up uh, all the manufacturers of luxury midsize SUVs. It's a lovely thing. Do you know how they revealed it? I'll tell you. They, they, because there's, you know, Mercedes has kind of got a partnership with Hugo Boss. Yes, yes. They borrowed their catwalk. Oh, so, yes. How the, fitting. The headquarters of Hugo Boss uh, in Germany oh. rolled out the new car. Dieter Zetzer, the head of uh, Mercedes Benz, who I have never, you guys going on launches, have you ever known a, a head of a car company that has two bodyguards? That is incredible. Yeah. I can't two, say I've seen that now. <laughs> yeah. It's the first time I've ever seen it. And do you know how I knew they, had, they were bodyguards? Because they had really cheap suits on. And one of them had half a thumb. I, I kid you not, honestly. One dude, I looked at him. He was looking at me strange because I was getting a bit close. And I thought, he, he looks like he's got something under his bad jacket and he's only got half a thumb. I yeah. thought, I know what you are. More worryingly, though, did he talk into his earpiece while he was looking at you? <laughs> yes. That's right. And I was immediately ejected from the building. Yeah. Englishman attack. <laughs> so, GLE, GLC coming here. Watch this space. While I was in Europe, though, I had another little nice experience. This was quite unexpected, unplanned. Um, I visited some friends of mine, and one of them, you know, just decided to buy a new Chevrolet Camaro. Ugh. You know, as you do. Yeah. And he slung me the keys and said, do you want to drive? And I said, absolutely, because we don't get that car in Australia. And nor are we going to anytime soon if we're to believe what the good people at General Motors and Holden are saying. So V6 or V8? This was a V8 oh. and it was the convertible. It was oh. exactly the same as wow. the one out of Transformers. It was Bumblebee. Oh. So it was yellow with the black stripe so cool. convertible V8. Uh, now, you want to talk a little bit about Camaro, don't well, you? Well, yeah, I... I... I did a, a quick video. I was in Hawaii last month and, and drove a V6 convertible and, and posted a video on the site about it. And, and someone corrected my pronunciation of Camaro. So being a, an really? Aussie, I said Camaro, but it's apparently Camaro. And I've looked at the spelling several times and I don't see an, an, an E there at, at all, sort of anywhere. No, so I don't no know. that's weird, isn't it? I think it's an American thing. It's like potato, potato. Is it tomato. one of those state by state things, depending on if you head to the east of America, is it yes. one and the west another? Whether you sleep with your sister or something yeah. like that. Perhaps that's got <laughs> the, something the, fur, the further south you go, the stronger the E that isn't there becomes. <laughs> so how do they pronounce it in Europe? I'm interested. It's funny. They, they, the few times I heard it was Cam Camaro. Interesting. Yeah, so it's almost in intonation different as yeah. well as the pronunciation. Wow. But it's Camaro. I don't know whether I've just been here too long, but, you know, I'm trying to think of some Australian words. Um, you know, pasta and pasta. Yes. You know, it's quite a harsh yeah. A, and I wonder if that's a similar sort of thing. Um, anyway, yeah. obviously the first thing I did was hit the autobahn again, <laughs> uh, and um, roof down. Beautiful oh, cool. day, German, on the Autobahn. It was uh, it was surprisingly stable. Really, really planted car. You know, it benefits from that, you know, uh, let's, let's not make any secret about it. The Americans know how to build a heavy car. Yeah. Um, but long wheelbase, it was surprisingly steady. Uh, now, the noise when you do <laughs> 240 kilometers an hour uh, on a freeway with the roof down is 
spectacular and you could not spend any length of time but actually it was really surprisingly quite serene in the cabin it did it did really really well that's interesting a lot a lot of those cars have heavy buffeting and and all that sort of business and and for those listeners that don't know the camaro camaro whatever you want to call it (laughs) is based off the commodore like the the platform is shared so uh, that's developed in australia so you're sort of driving a bit of bit of australia in in, in Germany. Yeah, so nice. it, it was a nice little blend, wasn't it? And, but is it just, is it sad that we don't get the car here? I definitely think it is. There, there isn't much market for two-door stuff in Australia, um, and we see big declines in sales after the initial sort of romance of the launch. But I think that, particularly because it was developed here, it's nice to think that it would have been offered for market but uh, in Australia. Mustang. Mustang has had a huge huge amount of interest and I reckon if they did Camaro for Australia they I mean Ford is now running away with these sales and Holden must just be sitting back and going God what can we do here? And that is absolutely Paul that is exactly the point is that everyone will be sitting back and saying look at what Ford is doing I think yeah. it's taken 2,000 deposits already yeah. 13,000 ex- expressions of yep. interest um, and uh, Chevrolet General Motors, uh, Holden are not the only ones. We've got Fiat Chrysler there, who yep. who must also be going. What if we could bring the Challenger? What if we yep. could bring you know um, oh, yeah. a, a two two door sports muscle car? We could, Ford has already proven quite nicely that Australians will buy that car. And look how many uh, the, that conversion company in Queensland is selling. They'll sell you one for over a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> And people are lining up at the door, and I find that completely bizarre. If you could offer one here, the Camaro starts in the US at twenty-one thousand US dollars no! for the coupe. I mean, just imagine That's if that was bargain. here. God. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we'll look at Ford. I mean, they've announced pricing now, haven't they? So you can mm. buy the EcoBoost Mustang yep. for forty-five yeah. odd, I think, before bargain. you. And then the V8, which is obviously the one you'd have yep. to go for, uh, is um, around 70, 50, yeah, no, yeah, 50, 50, 60, yep. all said and done. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's not a lot of money for a car, more than I've got, yeah. but it's still <laughs> a fantastic car. It's, I drove, good, it's good value buying for, what you know, the performance that you get. Totally. It's a, it's a relative bargain. I was lucky enough to drive the Mustang in the US when it launched over there, uh, and I drove both the EcoBoost and the V8 GT. Uh, and quite how the Ford engineers are getting the power out of that V8, I have no idea. It is a supremely good engine. So the reason I mention it is if um, Chevrolet do make a right-hand drive Camaro, it will have to compete um, to an extent in those performance uh, equivalents. But I dare say that you could make it the biggest piece of S to drive on the road and people would mm. still buy it for the way it looks. It yeah. is a sensational looking thing. And, you know, there are not many of them in Germany. Yeah. I think it's about forty-five thousand euros in Germany. Wow! Yeah, so again, really? a bargain. It doesn't. I've never driven anything that turns so many heads. You know, yeah. a bright yellow oh, yeah. Camaro on the streets in Germany. It is a sensational thing. So well, it's it's funny. The thing that really caught me off guard. That the car looks great. They've just released or just released the the design of the new one. Uh, but it's the interior that lets it down. Uh, given that it's based off the Commodore platform, it would be so much better if they could just plonk the VF Commodore interior in that and and go for it. It just feels a bit cheap and American. I absolutely yeah. agree. It does have that slight feel about it. It's weird though; they've got really nice touches. Like yeah. um, the rear view mirror is frameless. You know, yes. It's just really nice quality bits. And then you look down at those funny little gauges. Yeah. That I do like the gauges. Every car needs gauges. Yes, yeah. obviously. Battery um, voltage. I mean, I need to know that all absolutely. the time. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the Ford uh, Focus ST I'm driving at the moment has a boost yeah. gauge. 
every yeah, car cool. with a turbo needs a boost gauge. I'm sorry. And if you don't have one, you have to add one on. <laughs> Um, but you drove the Camaro as well, didn't you? It was the V6, though. Uh, but interestingly enough, uh, the V6 is the same one that's currently fitted to the SV6 Commodore in Australia, but it produces 240 kilowatts of power as opposed to 210. And it also has pretty good. Yeah, it also has paddle shifters as well. So my theory is, and I've sort of heard this a little bit on the grapevine, is that that engine will be slotted into the last locally produced Commodore that's released at the end of this year. Oh, really? So the SV6 could be a great bargain that's worth holding out for if you want a Commodore to keep forever and, you know, call it your own. And will people do that? Do you reckon people are going to rush uh, to Holden when they know that they won't be able to buy one anymore? Is it going to be a case of too little, too late? I feel like there'll be a fair bit of interest. We're seeing people that are buying XR8s to put in their garage and hold on to for 20 years, the last Falcon XR8. There's still talk of limited edition run-out models of the XR6 and XR8. I think Sprint, Commodore will yeah. do the same thing again. Um Holden's yet to announce if it's a VF Series 2 or what it'll be called and what changes are about to be made, but there's talk there'll be more powerful V6, more powerful V8 to run out the SS, and I think that there'll be a fair bit of pent-up demand. You wouldn't buy one now yep. in the hope of turning it into money down the track, but if you were to wait, see what comes in those final editions, I think there's you know a good chance there'll be a group of buyers that don't want to use them, don't want to you know, run the risk of ruining them. They'll just want to hang on to them for 10, 20 years and see what happens to the value of them. Well, I need to declare that I grew up in Geelong, so I am officially <laughs> a bogan. But I, every time I jump into an SS uh, ute or an SS wagon, um, I, I'm just like at home and I would so buy one if I had enough money. And I, I reckon that, that people should, you know, definitely consider it. I've heard LS3 for the new SS, which is pretty much a HSV engine. engine. So yeah, pretty yeah. Cool. great engine though. Mm. Um, now then, we've had a message in from one of our dear listeners. Damien says, uh, enjoying the show as always. Oh, good. He Thanks. actually says some more than that. Yes. I just wanted to dwell lying? on the bit of us <laughs> doing really well. For, uh, interesting to hear the news about new car sales. It may explain why I recently had a dog of a time selling my Gen 4 Liberty. Great mm. choice. Practically having to give it away. Isn't that sad? Uh, I think it's such a com uh, complete and solid package and was wondering what your thoughts are on this Subi. Is this just a reflection of the current market sentiment? What do we think? Silence. I think. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm flooded with memories. I think at the moment trying to sell any secondhand car is a bit of a battle mm. because the incentive to buy something new is so strong from a lot of manufacturers. Uh, a gen full of it, you know, there's, there's a million and one reasons why you have trouble selling a car. Mm. I've just spent an eternity trying to sell one of mine. Oh, uh, we and talk about that later. And it's heartbreaking because you get 20 <laughs> calls in of people that want to come and look at the car who never turn up, who want to pay or less than what you, you know, yeah. yeah, yep. So it goes on and on. But I think a big, if you're selling something late model, uh, it's, it's definitely hard. There you go. So it's a, it's a, as I said before, it's a buyer's market out there. You know, we're having to work to sell these things. Mm. Uh, we're going to have a little break. I'm going to play some fabulous music, but we will be back after this to discuss some more things coming from overseas and a very interesting thing Paul has been driving. This is Spender Vender on Saturday afternoon. My name is Daniel Gardner, and we are talking all things cars and motoring. If you want to get in touch like Damien did before the break, uh, who actually incidentally got back and said, thanks, guys, glad to hear I'm not the only one. If you were listening before, you'd understand he was having heartache trying to sell his car. 0427JOY949 is the text, or you can email us on air at joy.org.au. I promise to read out a message if it's not really rude, and then I might even read it out still. 
And if it's complimentary, it's definitely getting read out. So Definitely. Saying we're doing a good job. <laughs> In fact, look, I'm just, I crave the attention. I'll just read anything, really. <laughs> and we were saying before the break also, how nice, isn't it, that we have thousands of people listening and they have to listen to whatever song I play. And what did I choose to play them? Madonna, Lucky Star. <laughs> no arguments, please. Lucky Star is the best Madonna track that she ever wrote. Kez is shaking his uh, head. According to you. Yeah, well, come on. Dan says. Yes. Yeah. According to the law of Dan. Yeah, I reckon there'll be some people that disagree with you. They, well, they're very welcome to. I've just read out the text. I'm not going to read it again now, because just, just in case they now want to get in touch, just to criticise my Madonna track. What would you say is the best track, Madonna, then? Oh, it's a, it's a tough one, but I'm going to say Vogue. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, okay, so that's a close second. Yeah. All right. Enough about music and Madonna. There'll be plenty more of that later. We're talking cars here on Fender Bender. Uh, and it is time to talk about something that Paul has oh, been driving. This it's, It is a car that we've talked about a little bit on Fender Bender before because it is so utterly sensational. In fact, it was the 2014 raddest car of the year. Yep, that's it. It's And it deserves to be, I reckon. It's the BMW i8. Oh. It is so cool. And look, basically, for, for, for the listeners that don't know, the, the i-series series rather of BMWs are their electric cars. So the, we have the i3, the small uh, two-door, four-seat. Oh, it's actually not a two-door. It, it has doors that swing. Oh, it does, yeah, yeah. Clamshell, four-door coupe kind of yeah. brick-shaped thing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it is. Made actually. out of recycled materials. Exactly. And, yeah. it's, it's quite a cool car, but the i8 steps it up. It's, it's kind of like the supercar. It's a twin electric motor, and it also has a, a small petrol engine as well that sort of gets it moving along. So it has a, a cruising range of about 20 k's just on electric only, and then when you kick in the petrol engine as well, that jumps up too, and it's, it's like all performance, 4.4 seconds to 100. So it, wow. is, it is seriously cool, but yeah. 300 grand. Ah, oh, wow. Now, why is it so expensive? Look, it's it's a little bit of everything. The car itself, you look at it, it's a four-seater. Uh, it's it's not exactly conventional looking. It looks exactly like the concept car did, which is a great thing. A lot of manufacturers do a concept car, release the proper thing, and everyone's like, oh, what happened to that? This is like yeah. angles and flair and everything. It only weighs 1,480 kilos, so it is I mean, that light. is pretty impressive for any car that has batteries. As, as oh. we know, batteries are the enemy. Unbelievable. Uh, they weigh a fantastic amount unless you start getting into extremely expensive materials. So the fact that it can keep that weight down is incredible. It's absolutely sensational. And the reason we have the car in at the moment is... A, so, so I can drive it and have fun in it. That, that's one reason. But also, it's a series of uh, stories we're doing on uh, connected cars. And this car in particular has a cool app called the iRemote. So you open it up on your iPhone and you can see the charge state of the car. You can lock the car remotely. You can locate the car remotely. But we also have an Apple Watch in the office. And although our listeners can't see it, I'm looking at it now. Uh, basically, I can... Use your words. Use I, your words. It's fine. They don't I can, have to see it. I can click... And yes. it opens up the, the screen, and I can see the car, the charge state. No I way. can locate where it is. It's in a car park somewhere, hopefully still. <laughs> Not stolen or towed. Let's hope so. Um, I can precondition the car. So if it's a hot day, I press the button on my watch. It sends no. a signal to the car, and I have air conditioning or heating. No way. It is if you're cool. in trouble with bad guys and you're being shot at, will it be called Kit and come and pick you up from wherever you are? I haven't tried yet. Can we set that up? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> this is Knight Rider. We're, who says... We're in the future. This is amazing. Exactly. So that can, so you can control effectively control some of the quite major th features in the car. It is through incredible. the watch. Um, even a headlight flasher, which I never thought would be handy, but if you've ever parked at Melbourne Airport in in the short term parking, ah. and you're like me, you walk away going, "Yep, uh, I'm on A1." You get back and you're like. Oh, 
Where was I again? <laughs> that is a really good yep. feature. Do you know, I once had the same problem with a Fiat Fremont in Ikea problem car park. Problem or solution? <laughs> you don't have to see the car ever again. <laughs> that car is still at Ikea. <laughs> I never found it. No one would ever steal it either, <laughs> so it's... <laughs> don't be mean. That's not a bad car. But back on the i8, though. So this is, this is fundamentally pretty sort of... Uh, uh, cutting-edge technology, um, are we going to see it filtering down into other cars? Yes, well, BMW has Connected Drive, so they have a separate application available that can do all of those features, and you can get that on your run-of-the-mill BMWs. You can grab it on a 2 Series or a whatever series, and you can do the same stuff, so it's really cool. That is ace. I want it. Can you retrofit it on stuff? I don't know. Good question. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, I wonder... Oh, there's there's got to be people... You can do anything with cars these days. There's can you, for example, retrofit it to a mate's car and just <laughs> annoy the crap out of him by sounding the horn while he's, yes. you know, going through the Macca's drive through or yes. something like that. Or oh, to your wife's it. car when she's at the, the shopping centre again instead of wherever she said she was. Excellent. So, I yeah, love that. I love the idea. Practical jokes being made better by technology. <laughs> Who cares if it saves the planet or whatever or makes things safer as long as you can play pranks on people. I do have to say the ability, though, to turn on the air conditioning in the middle of summer before you get to the car is worth every cent of the $300,000. And that's that's an interesting point to raise because the only mm. way that's possible is because it's electric, isn't it? And, and you can effectively yes. run it there. The electric motor drives the air conditioning. But... Go on. Holden does it as well. So you can remote start a Commodore. Uh, I've re so I live on the fifth floor of an apartment building. If I take the stairs, I can remote start a Commodore that's in the basement from the fifth floor. So I don't know how, how it's possibly that strong. But that also works on the same principle. It will run the last air conditioning mode you've had, whether it's heating or cooling. And it's, it's awesome. It'll turn the car on. So it, don't do it if you have it in a garage because you, you might die when you get yeah. to the car. So I wonder if it has fail safe actually. Well, that's, that's kind of question. what I was thinking, is that the reason the electric motor is so safe is because mm. there's no emissions yeah. from it. But, oh, I think that you could effectively cause a bit of problems there. Although, actually, with the, uh, the technology that goes into modern catalytic converters, there's actually not very nasty stuff yeah. comes out of the tailpipe anymore. Although we wouldn't recommend No, absolutely. It. Sorry. Yes, I should make that very clear. This is not a fender bender recommendation to go and stick your gob over the tailpipe. Or anything else. No, certainly not. No. But, uh, but, yeah, the i8, what a sensational car. Um, one of the most fantastic things about it, I thought, was the way it looks. There's no question it is one of the most spectacular looking cars. But we're going to talk about another car now, which has raised a lot of eyebrows because of the way it looks, and that is, of course, the Citroen Cactus. Now, I didn't make that name up. It is the name that Citroen has decided to call it, and it is coming here. Oh, it is It is such a cool car. So I was in Queenstown last week uh, for a car launch, and while we were there, we thought we would jump behind the wheel of the C4 Cactus, which is available in New Zealand. Uh, ours was white, and for those of you who haven't seen a cactus, I urge you to Google it right now or, or when you pull over. And have a look at it. There's panels on the side that look interesting. Now, they're called air bumps. Air bumps. What? Yeah. Now, th this is the weirdest thing because you go up and you touch it. It's it's like an air-filled pocket that protects the car from shopping trolleys and other random things. In so it's bubble wrap on the outside of the car. <laughs> yes. Basically. It is great for, for drivers that struggle with, you know... Uh, Yes, Doors and let's and be honest, there's a lot of those out there. Yes. Hang on, so if it's like bubble wrap, then will I drive the car constantly wanting to pop them? Because I can't sit, you I can't, cannot sit at a desk when there's a bit of bubble wrap there and just I can't, can't stop can't resist the urge. I have no you? restraint. Have so no you'll be driving around with the window down, yeah. popping the arm out the yeah. door, just playing with <laughs> totally. the bubbles on so the side of the can yeah. you take it back to Citroen and say, yeah. I'm really sorry, I couldn't help myself, I'll pop them all? Unfortunately, you can't pop them, which is a great shame, but they oh, do pointless. work Yeah, they do work as, as a great aid. They're in all the corners and also the doors as well. So if anyone runs a trolley into your car or anything like that, they, they solve that issue. Now, the other remarkable thing about this car is its weight. This yeah. car weighs under a tonne. How? 
I have no idea. I know how they do it. Tell me. The air bumps are not air bumps, they're helium bumps. <laughs> Full of helium. <laughs> yeah. Helium. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It reduces the weight. I like it. Um, now, how have they done that? Because it's look, not... The, it, what are they... They're classing it technically as, as a... Is it a compact crossover kind of thing? Yes. Front wheel drive only. Right. Yeah. But it, it's not a tiny car. No, it's it's really spacious. You can fit five in there quite comfortably. It has a big boot. What they've done, they've removed certain things. So the seats, um, you know, they're quite basic. They don't really have the manoeuvres that, that most seats have. They fold down in one piece. Yeah. Um, the rear windows don't go down. They just okay, pop out. Right. Um, everything about the car is about weight saving and that's the reason they can get away with using small engines. So they have uh, 1.2 litre petrols or a 1.6 litre diesel. Assuming then it would be really efficient on fuel as well. and 3.6 litres per 100 k's. Absolutely amazing. All they need Mind is blown. a carry handle to put on top of it, just so you know, you're not very good at parking it. That, what a fantastic thing. And that's coming to Australia, so we will, uh, we're eagerly anticipating its arrival. Um, we have got plenty more uh, to talk about, including another little European adventure I had. I can't wait to tell you all about that. You're on Joy 94.9. This is Fender Bender. I don't know why I've suddenly gone so formal. Uh, yes, sir. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> sir, sir Paul of... <laughs> Motorshire. Maybe it's because we have a German that has just emailed us. Quite possibly, yes. Uh, Andrew Coombe from uh, Munich in Germany. Uh, he's cool. just sent through an email and said, uh, nice review of the i8, smiley face. Uh, I work for BMW in Munich. Uh, I have an M135i. Cool. Awesome choice. Cool. But I haven't had a chance to drive the i8 yet. Have driven the i3 a few times, though. Cheers, Andrew. Cool, Andrew. Legend. Thank you very much for your email. That's ace. So we've got a German listener all wow. the way from Germany. Yeah, guten Tag. That's brilliant. Yeah, excellent. I learned a few German words while I was there. Oh, are they nice? No, I can't tell you. <laughs> no, uh, I know Ausfahrt, which is exit. That's really handy when you're on the autobahn doing millions of kilometers an hour. <laughs> uh, and I also learned Feuerzeug, which is lighter. Oh. I don't smoke. It's the best bottle opener you can find in Germany. Oh. Yeah, anyway, so we digress. Uh, but thank you for the email, uh, Andrew, all the way from Germany. If you want to get in touch, also you can uh, send us a text message on 0427 JOY949 or you can email on air at joy.org.au. Now, speaking of Europe, I was there. That's why I'm battling the most crippling jet lag I've ever had. Uh, and incidentally, this is just about the worst time of day for it. So if I suddenly nod off onto the panel, then <laughs> come on, you guys take over. <laughs> Uh, while I was in Germany, I was close enough to my dear home country of the UK, so I hopped over for a visit, and while I was there, I took a very famous English car builder up on their offer to visit where they build their cars. Now, you may have, I don't know, have you heard, <laughs> have you heard of this car maker? Oh, it's called McLaren. It? Oh, no. Sorry, do you want me to pick up that name you just dropped? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, yes, so McLaren, a little while ago, I was lucky enough to go to their Melbourne dealership that opened uh, earlier this year, or was it late last year? Anyway, uh, met the good people there, and they said, oh, look, you know, you're a pom, when you're, when you're back next, we'd love to show you the factory. So I tore their arm off, and while I was there, I was lucky enough to be shown around. Now, uh, the daughter of Bruce McLaren describes the McLaren headquarters as 80% NASA and 20% Disneyland. And that's a pretty good description. It is, without question, one of the most spectacular buildings I have ever been in. Um, and it is just... I mean, I haven't got enough time left in the show to tell you some of the unbelievable features that the uh, Technology Centre has. Now, if you've ever seen it on Google um, Earth or on pictures... It basically, from, these, from the sky, looks like yin-yang. It's this amazing circular building. Half of the circle is a lake out of the front. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But it is not just ornamental. Wow. Um, 
you enter through the main entrance and you're immediately met by um, a huge gallery uh, called the Boulevard with examples of virtually every car the company has ever made, including all of their Formula One cars, um, uh, old Can-Am racers, um, and get this, not one McLaren F1, but three. Wow. One of them is just the Bogo road car. (laughs) Yeah, Okay. as if you'd buy that. And when I say Bogo, I mean this is the very same car that uh, took the world, hang on, production car top speed record, 230-something miles an hour. Work that out in kilometres. And that was a long time ago as well. It was a long time, 10 years ago. It was a long time ago, and it hung on to that record for a very long time as well. It was unbeatable in its day. Was it until the Veyron? I think it was. The Veyron was the the next successor to it, something like, you know, nearly 20 years later. Absolutely right. And actually, if you look at it another way, and McLaren talk about this quite vocally, it will probably always hold a record of some description in that it's normally aspirated. So you're probably very unlikely ever to find a car with no turbo or supercharger that will go quicker. And is it the only car that's been sort of a central seating position for the driver with two either side behind it? I believe so. And uh, they're not allowed to do that anymore. So rules and regulations said you won't be able to do that. So it is a unique car and always will be. Now, that was just the, that was the very same one the beautiful metallic green one which actually broke the record and XP5 so it was the last proving uh, prototype Um, next to that was one of the F1 race cars which went to Le Mans and and won that but next to that was the most special F1 that was there one of the F1 LMs they only made five of them and it was basically the racing car of the road car for the road they only made five, and that was one of them, in beautiful papaya orange. Oh, awesome. um, absolutely sensational. Awesome. I mean, that was just the boulevard on the way in. I mean, some of the stuff that you get to, the trophy cabinet is after that. <laughs> 170 metres long, the trophy cabinet. It's the biggest collection of trophies, motorsport trophies in the world. And they're not all for just motorsport achievements either. One of them was because they became the first Carbon Zero Formula One team ever. It's just, I mean, the whole place is just bloody ridiculous. Uh, Next to that is the restaurant. Now, the restaurant, (laughs) you wouldn't know it was there because they actually keep the air pressure in the restaurant slightly lower so that when you open the doors, no food smells come out into the rest of the building. Isn't you know, that awesome? It is so cool. You can tell this is built by engineers. Yeah. And then next to that is the wind tunnel. Now, you remember I said uh, the lake? Yes. The lake is not ornamental. Do you, do you know what the, No, I don't. The, the lake is actually cooling water for the oh, motors that drive so cool. the, the... Yeah, they, it draws four megawatts of power when full whack, and they have to tell the grid that they're going to use it. Otherwise, people's <laughs> air conditioning stops working in Woking. That is so cool. And, uh, yeah, and that cools the... Uh, and they pump the heated water around the rest of the factory to keep it warm in winter. Wow. You want more? You want more? I know you do. Then you walk into the, uh, the production facility, and it is completely silent. There's not a single noise. All you can hear is the occasional spanner drop, because there's no air tools, no robots, nothing at all. It's unbelievably um, quiet and serene. But my favourite, favourite statistic about the whole place was this. We were told that the walls were measured in the production facility to be, originally they were going to be about 120 metres by 100 metres, about 22,000 square metres of, of floor space. Ron Dennis, the guy who was one of the founders of McLaren Cars, came back one day and he said, I want the walls to be 97.3 metres in one direction and 104.7 metres in the other direction. Everyone looked at him and said, why on earth would you want to do that? And he said, I measured the floor tiles and I don't want to cut a single one. <laughs> so you look round, oh there's 22,000 square metre floor space and they're all the tiles are complete. So cool. Not one was had to be cut. That is the kind of place that the McLaren building is. And the best way I can explain it is... Have you ever seen the film Gattaca? Yes. That's yes. what F- the McLaren 
nah. facilities like. Everything is perfect. But isn't it like a metaphor for their cars? Their cars are engineering perfection. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You, you can't get more perfect. And when you see those cars being built, you know, the P1 was there, yeah. one of the most remarkable cars. They actually had two examples of the GTR, which oh, is the wow. yeah. bigger one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you just see the things they're doing to them. They are just so remarkably perfect. Even the people. They, they, they just are not allowed to employ yeah. ugly people. <laughs> Everyone wandering around had a beautiful suit and was perfectly groomed. And it just felt really <laughs> surreal. If you ever have the opportunity to go to that the McLaren so cool. production, I wholeheartedly encourage it. <laughs> Anyway, I'm back on, on terrestrial, I'm back on planet Earth now, and I'm going to have one of my little rants, all right? Which means I have to do this. Fender Bender, guaranteed to leave skid marks? That's absolutely right. <laughs> uh, now, while I was in Germany, I happened to take the AMG uh, C63 version of the uh, GLE, or a coupe, on an autobahn, and I managed a speed of 260 kilometres an hour. All right, so in old money, that's about 165 miles an hour. It's fast. Yeah. It's pretty quick, right? Yeah. Now, uh, I do, just look at me, guys, now, for the benefit of people not in the studio. Do I still have all my arms and legs connected? Oh, hold on. You, but how are you alive? You sped. Uh, I, I honestly don't know. This is so honestly, weird. I took my life in my hands, and I did a dizzying speed, and weird. There were no small thermonuclear explosions. Uh, wow. it, I know, it's so strange, isn't it? Nothing, no one died. And it just got but me where thinking. where were the speed cameras? I, exactly. I don't get it. Actually, there's a funny story with that as well. Because when I was doing that uh, dizzying speed, I did go under a gantry of cameras and suddenly had that awful feeling I'd misread the signs <laughs> and I wasn't on an autobahn after all. No, they're for the trucks. Apparently, they have like e-tag systems or whatever. Um, this is my point, okay? Germany, being a forward-thinking country, has acknowledged that speed is rarely the factor that actually kills you, all right? Now, this is what I found really interesting. On the Autobahn, you can get a custodial sentence for undertaking. Yep. You can go to jail for yep. doing something stupid. And this is the principle. I love the fact that they've gone, speed is necessary to go places. So yep. go as fast as you like. Just don't drive like an idiot. Yep. And you can be done for reckless driving yep. on a freeway in Germany. Yep, absolutely. But you can't be done for speeding. Yep. And this strikes me as the right way to do things, doesn't it? There's also a lot of uh, effort put into driver training in Germany. Bingo. So the process of getting your license is a lot more difficult than it is in Australia. What, you don't just go to Vic Roads and <laughs> sit down It's, for it's not just a case of demonstrating that you can do a three-point turn and a handbrake start. Yeah. You've actually got to do a series of tests in a variety of conditions. It includes wet weather. It includes night driving. It includes, surprise, surprise, time on a freeway. Uh, you don't just run around the block at the Ligon Street Vic Roads and get handed your licence. <laughs> so there's a big difference, obviously, culturally in what's involved in driving a car over there versus what's involved in driving a car over here. They still have a very, very tight tolerance on um, speed limits in built-up areas. Absolutely. So I think anyone sense. who's ever got in a European car will see there's a big red line at 30 kilometres an hour and 50 kilometres an hour because that's their their chosen suburban yeah. or built-up area speed limits. They still watch those very, very closely, which I think they should. Mm. Uh, but, like you say, surprisingly enough, at 260 kilometres an hour, you were still okay. Absolutely. And we both agreed. Um, I was driving one, with one of your colleagues, Matt, yep. um, oh. and, and we both said that actually 180 to 200 felt yep. 
absolutely fine. Yep. 260, you do start to get the, the old sweaty but palm here. The there, funny thing is you see normal cars doing that speed, like a Ford Focus will absolutely. be doing 180. Yeah, absolutely. And modern cars have all the technology yeah. to do that very safely. You know, they're very stable, very aerodynamic, and it just felt completely normal. And that was double our national speed limit, effectively. And we have great roads. Like, I mean, you look at the road from Melbourne to Geelong. It is sensational, but it is loaded with cash cameras, and that, that is what they are. Cash cameras. How does the German government uh, sustain their, their taxes? They uh, must do other smart things then. Absolutely right. Yeah, that's right. And, and also the other thing that I found really interesting while I was there was looking around at, um, talking about forward thinking, the amount of wind farms there are, the amount of yep. solar farms, the amount of uh, electric vehicle infrastructure, there's hydrogen filling stations. Wind this farms is- are so noisy. Why do they... <laughs> That's weird. They're ugly and they are noisy and our (laughs) Prime Minister hates them. (laughs) But they work. They absolutely work. And everywhere you look around, here are examples of of a country that is working, you know, know, renewable energy. I think think in this country we burn, uh, 88% of our energy comes from burning coal, you know. And as the, um, as uh, good old Macca, Mercedes once said to me, he said, there is no point in having electric vehicles if your tailpipe is in the Latrobe Valley. And I thought that really put it so nice. 100% absolutely, yeah. So, yes, Germany and the UK. It was an eye-opening experience for me. And I've got so much more to talk about as well. But I can't (laughs) because it's that time again that we have run out of the very thing time. Boo. Gentlemen, it has been lovely having you. It has been so much fun. Thank you again for popping me. Will you both popping thing? (laughs) Popping you. You can come back and be popped anytime you like, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. And obviously uh, to you too, the man with the film star's name, Kez Casey. Thank you. And the lovely beard. Absolutely. Oh, am I missing out? I shaved. I clean shaved today. Wait, can you actually grow a beard? How dare you? How dare you? As soon as I go through puberty, I'm going to grow a beard. (laughs) It's the first thing that you're going to do. Absolutely right. Look, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much to you guys being on today. Hopefully come back again very soon. Uh, Out there, do take care. And wonderful. Thank you so much to all our callers and listeners. Um, One last shout out to Andrew in Germany, who says, I'm a Kiwi. (laughs) We'll take back all the nice things uh, we (laughs) did. Just kidding. It has been wonderful. Tim Nicholson back on the case next week. And listen in. Keep listening because we do have techno games coming up. They would have loved our conversation about the i8 and the iWatch. Uh, and until next week, when Tim is back, I say, as we always do, hoon- drive safely. <laughs> this has been a Fender Bender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.